listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Yes, welcome in everyone to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Happy Friday to all of you lovely listeners out there. Hope you're doing fine and ready for the weekend. Before the weekend starts, we've got a podcast to get through, and today is the AFC West exit interviews as part of the series. Looking forward to this one. Some good guests on today. Looking at the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Raiders, and of course the Broncos. Looking at the Kansas City Chiefs, we've got Tyler Beloski from across the ponds. Uh, we have Lee looking at the Chargers as always, and he is joined alongside Josh Brockwell and Denver is stocks from the, our friends over there at Five Yard Rush, along with Sam Lane, a good friend of the show as well, making waves over there in America. And finally, with Oakland, we have uh, Dave Wilson and Tony Law running the war over the Raider Nation, the Black Hole. It's some really good information on here. And again, this, the Denver segment was recorded prior to the Flacco trade. Some things you just can't help, but one thing we can help is giving you lots of good content. So let's kick it off with the division winners, Chiefs. Time to kick off the AFC West podcast. We have a review of the division winners, the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, number one seed, obviously, last year in 2018. And to break it all down for, with us, we've got uh, Tyler Belaski from the uh, Tyler and Eli Fantasy Football Tips podcast. Uh, Tyler, we welcome you in. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tim. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, like you said, we are. I am from the Tyler and Eli Fantasy Football Tips podcast, exclusively on YouTube. Uh, we just want to keep it small for right now. This is our third. Uh, we're going to be starting our fourth year, starting up in July. Um, like I said, exclusively on YouTube right now. Mm, nice. Thanks for having me, Tim. That's awesome. I can't wait to uh, talk about the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, we haven't we haven't quite graced to YouTube yet. I don't uh, don't think the people of the world need to see uh, our ugly mugs. But yeah, kudos to you for doing it. How, how many uh, how many episodes have you gotten through? We are right around 75 or so. Nice. Uh, we don't really keep track of stuff like that. We just call it season season three, episode 45 yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, we're not really about stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and we don't really we don't do our faces. We just have our logo flashing in and out. Okay. Um, because Eli's Eli's so young, we, you know, all the YouTube creepers out there. Ah, okay. uh, we don't need we we don't need to have that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and with his brothers jumping on here and there too, his younger brothers, we just we just keep it very low key and nice. Um, but the thing we the one thing we like to do with our our podcast, our slogan is we tell it how it is. Mm. Um, we don't really get too much into stats and uh, and stuff like that with how the rest of the fantasy community breaks things down. We just we just do the eyeball test. Yeah, you know, we tell you that Pat Mahomes is a stud versus say uh, Russell Wilson, who's 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 okay and decent. We just tell you straight up how it is. Mm. We don't break it down by, um, well, he did 75 yards rushing when his offensive lineman ate Cheerios for breakfast this, yesterday. So we, <laughs> we just tell it how it is. We yeah. tell it straight up. We're very honest. Um, if the stats apply, then we then we do the stats. And mm. if not, then, you know, take our word and trust us. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, well, let's, let's tell all the Kansas City Chiefs fans how it is then. So let's uh, start <laughs> Let's start with going into the 2018 uh, season obviously was the, the the handing over the baton wasn't it of Alex Smith to Patrick Mahomes obviously had the uh, the comfort of being able to sit for a year behind Alex Smith and and learn from him and, and you can just see the difference between him and some of the other guys that maybe get chucked in at the deep ends um, you know but the, but the main storyline was could Patrick Mahomes take over and can, you know, can he limit some of his, some of his mistakes uh, from from college 
Um, and could you know could they get the the, the Kansas City Chiefs over over the hump in terms of playoffs? Uh, perennial, obviously, one and done uh, t- a team in the playoffs. But uh, Patrick Mahomes couldn't have really scripted it much better from from a Kansas City Chiefs point of view. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he definitely surprised me. I did not see this coming out of him. It's you know, quote unquote rookie season. He did play the one game uh, two years ago, but yeah, Patrick Mahomes throwing fifty plus touchdowns. Uh, it came out of the blue for me. I, I did not expect that. I thought, you know, the playing one game uh, the year before, uh, he'd come out sluggish, not really knowing the Kansas City system in a sense because of Alex Smith being there. Uh, yeah, he did a phenomenal job. I I don't expect him to repeat this coming season, uh, the 50-plus touchdowns. I think now that he, he's shown himself a little bit, uh, he, he may be in that 40 to 45 range, but to do another 50 back-to-back, that's going to be, I think it's going to be tough, especially with the support cast around him. Uh, however, you know, it is a passing league now, uh, so that may help him. And he can run the ball, so that's good too. But yeah, he came, he came out of nowhere for me. I did not see that coming. He is, he's going to be, he's going to be uh, the next, the next great quarterback to come. I don't know if he gets any rings or not, but yeah, the kid, the kid can play. Um, I did see him. I, I, I got to talk to him a little bit at the uh, NFFC down in Fort Worth, uh, Texas, over the summer now, uh, this past summer. Uh, he's amazing. Yeah. He's, he's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the fifty, yeah, the fifty touchdown passes is going to be hard to replicate, and especially ten, ten of those went to the running backs, uh, which is a part of their game. So you know, if there are, if there's going to be a regression in terms of touchdowns, it'd probably be coming. You know, Kareem Hunt had seven receiving touchdowns. Damian Williams had a couple as well, and Anthony Sherman, who can forget. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it, the season was listed with highlights, wasn't it? No look throws, tight windows, and you know, side arms, and, and, and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, they're, they're only one of the few teams actually that really like, like the deep ball still. Um, it's, it's, it's very much turned into a dink and duck kind of league over the last couple of years. Um, when you've got someone like Tyreek Hill uh, on your team, though, that's always going to be the, the kind of the way the team's going to operate. Yeah, they definitely can stretch the ball with uh, with Hill and uh, Sammy Watkins and uh, even Kelsey going down the middle. Uh, like you said, they are one of the few, I think, along with the Saints, who like to stretch it deep with those 40-plus yard passes. He uh, he definitely has the arm to do it, and you know those side arms, you know those no look passes. I think you know some of that was for show. Obviously, he can connect on them, but I don't see that too many. I don't see that happening too much. Um, you know, I, and I don't think he's doing to showboat, but you know that's not going to get you very far in the league if you keep doing stuff like that. You eventually get picked off here and there, and you know maybe a pick six and it'll end the game on you. Yeah, but yeah, they, he's definitely got the arm to to, to launch it deep and. Um, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be a stud. Mm. Yeah, and I mean, um, I, I suppose looking at the season as a as a whole, um, obviously more highlights than there were were low points. But obviously the, the back end of twenty seventeen season, losing to to Tennessee uh, in excruciating fashion, they managed to get a, a a playoff win this season. But it seems to be you know Kansas City fans and people in general uh, seem to be disappointed with Kansas City's uh, season. So it's a kind of a two-part question. Should they, should they be disappointed with the season and was it successful? And, you know, are they maybe getting ahead of themselves too much and maybe coming into 2019, you know, you kind of can expect a deeper run in the playoffs? It's the Super Bowl. I, I, I don't think it's a disappointment at all. I mean, I'm a Giants fan, so I mean, our season was horrible. But I don't think Kansas City was a, was a disappointment at all. I mean, you got to the playoffs, um, you know, you got this quote-unquote, again, I'll say uh, second-year quarterback, rookie quarterback, who took you that far? And you know, if you hear, if you listen to players, you know they have expectations throughout the year. You know, win the division, 
go to the playoffs, get to the conference championship, go to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. They made the playoffs, so that's check mark number one. Um, so you know you can only build on what you did this year and for into next year. So I think it's a I think it was a great season for them. Mm-hmm. You know they just keep building that, having those building blocks and building blocks to keep your head up. And you know when when that game against New York, um, the Patriots and who knows maybe they end up in the Super Bowl and, and they beat the the Rams. Mm-hmm. So yeah, keep your head up, Chief fans. You know it's it was a great season overall. I mean mm-hmm. you, you got this young kid who came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, Hunt. You know, that was a huge disappointment, but Williams picked the ball up and, and he he finished the season strong. And looking into this year, I don't see why why you can't do the same thing. Win a division, get another playoff game or two. Uh, you know, there are some questions that we'll touch on in a little bit, but no, keep your head up, Chiefs fans. It was a great season, in my opinion. Yeah, and I mean, the, the question would always be Andy Reid. Uh, his his record in the playoffs is obviously not not the greatest, especially with the Chiefs. Um, but it was just more of a sense of, you know, they were the number one seed, you know, one of the highest scoring and one of the highest in, in terms of yardage um, to, in, in the whole in the whole of the NFL. So it's kind of a, a case of what might still, even though they got to the conference championship, what, what still might have been for the Chiefs. So it's just kind of a, trying to get an, an aspect there of, you know, I, I agree, you shouldn't be disappointed. To start the season, you say you get to the conference championship game, um, Chiefs fans would, would obviously take it. Um, you know, even a playoff win, I, I assume they would have taken anyway. But it just obviously the way the season turned out, um, you know, just kind of made me feel like the Kansas City Chiefs fans might be a bit deflated uh, when when they, they perhaps shouldn't be. But you, you mentioned there, obviously the back the back uh, the running back game there uh, in the backfield. Kareem Hunt, obviously week eleven, week twelve by was kind of when his uh, his season ended with uh, the emergence of that tape there in that hotel. We won't go delve into that too much. Obviously, he's been since picked up by the Browns. But like I say, Damian Williams came in and 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 fared okay. You know, 34 carries in the last couple of weeks, 203 yards and, and four four touchdowns, uh, six yards per carry. But even in, t- in the in the playoffs as well, had uh, had numerous touchdowns through the ground and through the air. Do you think that the running back position is something that, that they will address in the off season, or they you know they've they've resigned Damian Williams to a, a slightly bigger contract than they did? You know, the former Miami cast off there. Is 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 the running back position a, a position of need for the Chiefs going into into the off season? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Williams is good. I mean, he came in, he filled in the gaps, but I think you're going to need to bring in a, a, a seasoned vet. Uh, I don't. I think, from what I remember, uh, they don't have too much of a cap space, so you can't go out and get Bell, Mark Ingram, or even Tevin Coleman, but you're going to need to bring in that veteran. I mean, Damian, Damian Williams is good, but you know, looking at the free agents list that uh, Mike Clay put out from ESPN, you got Spencer Ware, even Buck Allen, Adrian Peterson, uh, Jeremy Hill and Jaquise uh, Rogers, you know, just to bring in someone who has that veteran presence who can spell him for a couple of downs here and there, mm-hmm. that's going to definitely sure up their backfield. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have you also have Daryl Williams, but I, he's not going to really do a whole lot. But maybe bring back Spencer Ware for you know he knows the playbook. He's he's that seasoned vet, like I said. To go out to get the big splash bell, they don't have the cap space for that. But uh, for have to have Damian Williams carrying the rock all 16 games that's not you're going to need to have someone in there for, for him yeah. to uh to definitely uh spell him yeah no i certainly agree there and say what about the wide receiver position as well chris conley's a free agent this season do you, do you reckon they bring him back or is there any maybe other other moves there maybe in the draft it's a decent wide receiver class in the drafts uh do you reckon they'll bring any any pieces that wide receiver 
I think you definitely need to draft a receiver, and you could even look at running backs. I mean, you can definitely pay a, a rookie running back. Uh, you're not going to get anything for free agents. But receivers, yeah, you can bring Conley back. I mean, they have Sammy Watkins, too, they can bring back. I was looking at the list. Again, you got Golden Tate, Adam Humphreys. Maybe you can sneak in a Cole Beasley, you know, that a dink and dunk type of receiver like a Julie Edelman. Uh, and if you play fantasy, obviously you can get those PPR points, and Mahomes can definitely find him. Uh, Conley's not bad. I mean, he he'll, he's you know got another year in his belt in the, in the system. So yeah, they nef- definitely need to get somebody on the other side of the, the Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I like Sammy Watkins, but I think his time was almost done in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I, I just there's something about him. Maybe it's because I play fantasy, and he doesn't ever produce. Yeah. So I want to get him out of the league. Mm-hmm. You know, he was horrible in Buffalo. Yeah, he's good for those. He's like for me, he's like a, a weaker Steph Diggs. You know, he's good for those 80 yard bombs. And then he he sleeps the rest of the game. Mm. Uh, so you know you got Tate Humphreys and Cole Beasley, like I said, um, for the big names that you can afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's Randall Cobb out there too, but I don't know if you know. I, I think he's going to resign with Green Bay. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Sammy Watkins uh, was obviously the big splash acquisition, wasn't he, in free agency last season? Uh, just m- missed a handful of games this this season. Just 55 targets, 40 receptions, 519 yards. And just the three touchdowns. They also obviously brought in Kelvin Benjamin towards the end of the season as well, which uh, you know it seems to be a lot of deadwood there on that on that roster. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of skill position in the draft and maybe perhaps free agency um, as well. But yeah, I mean let's look on the other side of the board. And Tyler, uh, defense was you know this is a, a defense that was 31st rank in the NFL against the passing in terms of yards, 27th versus the run. Eric Berry missing uh, obviously hurt quite a lot. A lot needs to be done to this defense. Yeah, it definitely does. There's holes in there, and Eric Berry, you know, missing that whole season with cancer and everything. I think it's a great comeback story he's had. You got to bring him back. Uh, give him what he wants. Uh, yeah, and it's 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 one of those defenses that's sneaky, especially for fantasy. Uh, like, oh yeah, they can put you know give you 15, 20 points two or three weeks in a row, and then they they drop you for negative twelve. Um, yeah, they definitely hit the draft up with their their defense and the holes that they're going to have. Uh, I, I can't remember what name it was. I think there's a linebacker they have that's uh, a free agent. Uh, they definitely want to keep him uh, because you got to keep your pieces. Mm. Yeah, I mean, some of the, they, they do have some stars on their defense. D. Ford uh, and Chris Jones, they, they come to mind. Uh, guys always making plays. Anthony Hitchens made um, load of the most tackles in, this season, 81 solo tackles for the for the Chiefs. But yeah, I mean, gen- generally, uh, the reason obviously the Kansas City Chiefs didn't really get to the Super Bowl, you know, part of the part of the hamstring was 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 the defense, obviously putting them in a hole all the time and relying on Patrick Mahomes to to kind of dig them out of holes. You know, generally in games, though, they you know, they got out to to big leads anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think it would actually take a lot for for that defense to improve and say with Eric Berry there as well, he's been there for 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 years and is is a veteran presence in in that team. You know, he wouldn't he wouldn't won't take a lot. And this is a this is a draft that's full of defensive talent, uh, and especially on the lines as well. Um, you know, you can obviously see the Kansas City Chiefs shoring shoring up that defense and becoming a bit more of a powerhouse and you know more of a sure thing to get to the Super Bowl in uh, 2019. Exactly, and I think I think I heard you said mention D Ford. Yeah, he is he is a free agent. Uh, again, they're going to be limited with their cap space, but get him back in there. And it's tough. I mean, you're playing against the Patriots, so it doesn't matter what kind of defense. Obviously, we saw that with the Rams. Rams one of the better defenses this year in the league, and they got it, it, the score doesn't say it, but they got lit up. Mm-hmm. 
So, it, it, you know, I feel bad for the Kansas City in that way because you're playing the Patriots, who have been there forever, you know, for the last 10, 15 years. The Patriots, you give Bill Belichick two weeks or a week and a half to to scheme against your defense, you're going to tear it up. So once they start crumbling and leaving the scene, you got to beat the Patriots. And it doesn't matter what kind of defense you put out there. Um, it, it's going to be tough for any team. And you're right, you know, Patrick Mahomes had to carry that team through the playoffs and uh, the, the, the defense let him down. Hmm. So, yeah, uh, yeah straight, strengthen that defense up, get D forward back, get Barry back, and just hope that Belichick has an off game and get over that hump. Yeah, and I mean, looking a bit further afield from you know, a past next year, obviously the Patriots at some po- at some point will die. Um, you know, they, they, they're kind of zombie mode at the moment. They're always still alive. But I, I suppose the Kansas City Chiefs are, are in the prime position to, to be the next uh, team to dominate for the next couple of years in the AFC, if not the NFL. Yeah, I like them. Or maybe um, the Chargers. I mean, Phil Rivers only ha- Philip Rivers only has a handful of years left. But that, that young defense, they're, they're amazing. Melvin Gordon's a, a stud at the running back. But yeah, it's really the Chiefs and and what and maybe even Houston. You know, if they if they can sign Bell or Ingram to replace uh, Lamar Miller, then I think the the Texans can uh, can can dominate that AFC along with the Chiefs. Yeah, I mean those three teams right there. I was gonna say Pittsburgh, but the whole thing with the Bell and Brown, they're they're gonna be done for a while mm-hmm. unless they can bring someone in to replace those two guys. Yeah. But yeah, it's the Chiefs, Texans, and uh, Chargers for me the next couple of years until the once the Patriots fizzle out. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. Uh, certainly looks like the next couple of years the landscape will change. But can see the uh, the stars ascending for them, and obviously one of the stars of the show is Patrick Mahomes. But Tyler, thank you so much for joining us to talk Chiefs. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. And again, you can catch uh, the Tyler Neely Fantasy Football Tips podcast on YouTube exclusively. We just start our season back up in uh, July. Okay, it's time to talk about one of my adopted teams for the 2018 season. The, of course, the LA Chargers and. It wouldn't be an LA Chargers podcast without uh, having Lee Wakefield uh, on the show, but we, he's brought a friend along with him. He's kind of buy one, get one free for you listeners out there today. We've got uh, Josh Brockwell, uh, a Chargers fan as well, and uh, say so he's one of Lee's friends. And we're going to review the LA Chargers 2018 season. Lee, we'll start with you first. Uh, obviously, we, we've spoken throughout the podcast throughout the year. Obviously, our uh, what's the word? I suppose anticipation of of a deep run there by the by the LA Chargers. Obviously, I had money money involvement as well. You were invested, obviously, as a, a diehard fan. But uh-huh. if you if you had to if you had to kind of sum up this char- the Chargers season in one word, what, what would you what would you make it? Uh, in, in in one word, I would say successful. Because I do think it's been quite a successful season. Obviously, we've we've gone from uh, being down in dumps under Mike McCoy to then. Starting off 0 4 under Lynn, going having a decent end to the season last season, and then again going a step further, you know, making it to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, which is really successful. Mm. Although, if you gave me a sentence, it probably would be kind of success tinged with disappointment as well, because you can sort of go through the season, and, and Josh will probably have the same, where you've got little moments throughout the season where you just think, what if? You know, what if this was a little bit different? Could this have ended up a little bit better? And could we, you know, have gone a little bit further? Mm. But overall, very successful. I, I feel very pleased with the season, very proud of the season. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to the next season, I think. Yep, that's fair enough. Uh, Josh, obviously, welcome you in. Welcome to the Full 10 Yards podcast. Um, yes, hello. Yes. Uh, obviously, I would I would give out your Twitter handle, but apparently you're too you're too cool for school on that uh, on that regard. So uh, we'll, we'll just jump right so. into... <laughs> 
we'll jump right into the LA Chargers then. One, one word, one, what would you give the seasons, uh, the, Char- the Chargers season in one word? Again, I, I totally agree with uh, what Lee said, um, but my word would be primed, I think. Um, again, starting off last season with the move to LA, the own for start, going 9-7, and seven, coming into the season, I, again, we were kind of thinking, yet yeah, we can take that next step, playoffs, I was thinking possibly further. Um, there were games like the Broncos game mid-season that were just frustrating. Um, and, but then we had games like the, the Thursday night game against the Chiefs. We've shown that we're, we're quite a lethal threat in the, in the AFC. And uh, yeah, the Patriots loss in the playoffs was, was a huge disappointment, laying an egg, you know, 35-7 to 7 in the first half. Yeah. Yikes. Um, but primed is the word I'd say because I think we've got a very bright uh, 2019 season ahead of us. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, I had really high hopes for, I don't know if I, maybe I had higher hopes than, than you guys did going into the season. Uh, I'm not a Chargers fan, so I'm not quite sure if that would be possible. But my, my, my one word, if I can cheat and have a hyphen, is would probably be anticlimax. I know, uh, I, I, I think it's just more, it's kind of the similar themes to you guys were saying. It's, you know, it was successful, but... I think the whimper out in the playoffs um, kind of kind of just was a bit deflating and say maybe primed maybe is, a, is the confident word um, I say might be the word you use a bit later on to describe going into uh, the 2019 off season but let's have a let's have a, a quick recap of the Chargers season then so going into the season before even a ball was kicked uh, you had a couple of injuries didn't you Joey Bosa uh, was down for the first about well, half of the season uh, before the bye week and, uh, and even before that Hunter Henry obviously of course the big news uh, with the ACL there. Uh, missing the season, although he was activated, uh, obviously for that game against the Patriots in the uh, in the playoffs, but that kind of led to uh, the Chargers and Gates having another fling. Um, you know, it's like uh, it's like an on and off relationship between you know you see in the in a movie. But you know, Chargers started off like they usually do against Kansas City, uh, losing at home, and then lost in, uh, lost against the Rams uh, in Game Three to go one and two. But then they. Uh, they Got things back on track. I don't know. I know they're notorious for, for slow starting, but they seem to get on track quite quickly uh, this season. Six straight wins, including win at Seattle. But I suppose it comes down to the, the loss against the Broncos at home. Uh, field goal as time expired there. Closing out the season with wins at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, and then uh, the reverse fixture there against Denver. But question I want to put to you, Lee, first is... Um, charges away from home were, were perfect uh, if, you, if you take out the postseason. Any any particular reason why that might be, or why they maybe struggled at home, lost a couple of, of, of big games there at home? Maybe a bit of um, you know early early season jitters. Um, obviously, we'll we'll probably talk about the home field advantage and or their lack of uh, maybe perceived uh, a little bit in a second. But um, you know there is that that fact that obviously we're playing this very small stadium and it's not as as intimidating for opposing fans. And uh, sorry, opposing teams, sorry, um, to come and play, and you know the noise factor is not quite there. But just looking back over to the to the away and the road um, sort of aspects of that question, I think one thing that sticks out to me for this team, and it's what you hear when you sort of watch uh, videos about the Chargers with the players, and just sort of sort of get a sort of look through the keyhole into their lives on things like Instagram and Twitter and things like that. They all seem really together, like. You know, they seem to be really friendly together. They seem to like hang around with each other quite a lot, spend quite a lot of time together away from football as well. And I think that, that you know, on long road trips, like we've had, obviously we had that month where we didn't play at home at all. And on these long trips across country, it stands, really stands you in good stead, I would say. Um, and yeah, so that, I'd say the togetherness is one thing that has 
has really meant that this team is really quite good on the road. And um, yeah, they're not they're not afraid of adversity. Um, and they've got, they've got that hard nosed coach as well, which I think it all stems from. Um, obviously, Lynn, well documented, you know, had to, to fight tooth and nail to stay in the league every year as like a special team and sort of backup running back. And I think it all stems from him. Um, so yeah, that hard nosing togetherness, I think, just to sum it up, I think that's the, the two aspects of this team that means they're, they're good on the road. Mm. Yeah, not too bad. And, um, you yeah, know, and Josh. The two the two games in the playoffs, obviously uh, Baltimore was quite comfortable as, as playoff games can go. I know it could have been probably a lot worse, and you know when they, when the Baltimore were making that comeback, maybe the jitters were, were starting to return. But what would you what would you put down to the, the New England game just being blown out of the water and not really ever being in, in with the chance of the game? Was it just a case of you know the Patriots going out to getting out to a strong lead and doing what they do best in the playoffs, or is it a case was there something a bit more underlying there from a Chargers point of view? It's it's a mixture of all all the above sort of um, Tom Brady and the Patriots, Bill Belichick's game plan just just it, it exposed our our defensive scheme. Um, basically, I think it's a it's a it's a tough one to answer because we we have the talent to to go like into. Into anywhere, but like we've proven it this season, we've had eight road wins in the regular season. Well, seventy-one technically, but that was you know the LA Rams, um, which was in LA. So outside of LA, we were perfect in the regular season. Yeah. Um, our scheme defensively on the day, I believe Gus Bradley stuck to like a cover three or a, or a three defensive back safety unit for most of the game and didn't really adjust um, and didn't really change, and so. The, the game plan going into the game for the Patriots of running the ball, uh, keeping the ball away from us, it it, it showed mm. certain flaws in the in Gus Bradley's you know four three, mm. um, but I do I am a bit gutted that offensively we sputtered like the first drive we got the touchdown uh, to Keenan Allen, um, but then again yeah they shut down the run. Um, yeah, it's just, I think if it was anywhere other than the Patriots on that day, especially with that extra bye week to prepare for us, I think we could have had a, a much better opening uh, in the in the divisional round. Mm. And Lee, do you, so, you know, because there is the talent on that defence, you know, uh, we'll come on to Der- to Derwin James in a moment. You've got Desmond King, you've got Casey Hayward, and you've, you know, you've got the guys at the front there. Uh, Joey Bosa, when he returned, Melvin Ingram had a, had a good season as well. So, would you would you put it down to more in a sense that, yeah, Anthony Lynn and the, and the guy and Gus Bradley say there didn't really do too much in the way of preparation, or maybe they maybe they couldn't. But you know, it's, it's no different from week to week during the regular season. It's just it just. Beggar's belief a little bit. They didn't really have more to, to offer or show show something a bit different. I, I know the scheme the week before against the Baltimore Ravens worked and they shut that run game down. But you know, against a team like Bill Belichick and uh, and Tom Brady, you've you've got to have some new stuff in the locker and you've got to be able to adjust at halftime to because that's what that's what they do. Yeah, maybe it came down to a little bit of inexperience and maybe a touch of naivety as well. Mm. Um, you know, in comparison to the Patriots coaching staff, obviously you've got Bill Belichick who's been there, done it. Yeah. Players on on the Patriots roster and in their starting lineups uh, and well, all over their roster really who've been there and done it and won it and then you know you don't really have that on the the Chargers uh, you know you've got the odd player um, you know who's been there and done it but that's about it and then it's quite a young roster 
especially on the defense as well. Yeah. Well, as Josh said, I, you know, when Josh had primed, I thought that was a really good, really good answer that he gave, um, mm. and it's a really great word that I've got to use because I think, especially on defense, I think it is primed. So, yeah, maybe a bit of inexperience, naivety, but you've got to learn from that adversity and you've got to learn from your mistakes, just like yeah. anything in life, really. And uh, I think, yeah, I think we'll see that from the from the challenges in the, the years to come because of this. I think it just stands in good stead. It hurts now, but yeah, it'd be a good thing in a few years' time, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think you can probably argue that last season as well, just missing out on the playoffs after that slow start, they learned their lesson a little bit then, didn't start as slowly, although you could argue they started slowly a little bit, but maybe there wasn't that much of a of a slow start, so it allowed them to, to get into the, the playoffs quite comfortably. And yes, we, yeah, we are primed for a, a good couple of years, at the very least, for uh, the LA Chargers, but also primed for... I suppose it'd be a Chargers versus Kansas City uh, rivalry in the AFC West for for the next couple of years if uh, this year's anything to go off. But whilst we talked about uh, youth there on that defence, Lee, Derwin James, obviously number one, 17th pick overall for the Chargers uh, in, in last year's draft, the guy from FSU. Three interceptions, three and a half sacks, 75 tackles, there, 30 assists. Uh, we we knew that he was a he was a steal in the draft because just how far he dropped down. But uh, did you expect him to have this this good a season? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you kind of never want to really put that expectation on your rookie coming in. He obviously showed it in college. He showed that he can affect the games in multiple ways, and he went out and did that. And he he kind of he kind of did that right from the off as well. Uh, yeah, he's a special player, and it kind of just makes you you sort of more excited for the years to come. Um, hopefully, locking him up for hopefully the rest of his career. He would say, and um, you know, he's only going to get better year on year. You would hope and obviously avoid injury. But yeah. Um, you kind of knew Durham was a good player coming in, but maybe didn't expect him to have as good a season as he did. Mm. But yes, no, very pleased, obviously. And like you say, steal, steal the draft, still don't believe how he felt 17, to be honest. Mm. Yeah, I think, I think the key for me for Durham, James, and say he was touted as a, as a defensive uh, MVP. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, falling that, that far, it was, it was a steal. But, you know, this is a defence now that was, you know... The, 2018 was top 10 in terms of yards given up and points given up as well. So, you know, the the youth there. Hopefully, that should that should stand them uh, in a good step in a good stead for the next couple of years. But Josh, we come we come to you in a team. You know, the Los Angeles Chargers were branded as like one of the more complete teams in their AFC going into the playoffs. Um, so, what 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 do you think uh, will will be the needs or the the focus going into it to the, to the Chargers this off season? Uh, going into the off season, I. I do think, uh, well, obviously, number one is re-signing your key free agents. Um, this year, we've got a fair few important names um, that have come, in, come up to the uh, end of their contract, like Tyro Williams, uh, some other veterans like Mebane, um, Denzel Perryman and Jason Ferret as well. Some guys we've drafted quite high in the past have uh, come up to their, the end of their contracts. And they're, they're big question marks because Verrett, you know, last three seasons he's not played because of unfortunate injury. Denzel Perryman's had injury issues as well, um, so I think I think based on where I see the team going, I would say we'd probably sign guys like Darius Phylon, um some of the, the youth that we brought in, Adrian Phillips as well. Uh, some of these guys who aren't such big names, but they've been vital. I mean, Adrian Phillips is in the Pro Bowl this weekend, uh, been outstanding. Um, I think guys like Terrell Williams might might end up signing somewhere else because of money. I mean, we've got, I think it's like 22 million odd in cap space. So we won't be doing a lot of a lot of signing. So I think in the draft, we're going to have to focus early on on key areas of need, such as I think offensive line. 
Mm. Uh, Forest Lamp, we get back next next year, fully healthy. Um, I thought he'd be back this year, but for whatever reason, Anthony Lynn thought it'd be best to to run the course of of Schofield at right guard and then have Tevi finish off the year at right tackle. So I think Lamp sits in at, at right guard. I think early on in the draft we could target a right tackle. Uh, there's a few guys that I think could be quite good. Uh, in the mid to late rounds, it's not so good. So I think early on, probably offensive tackle might be might be up there. Defensive tackle is up there as well in case we don't re-sign guys like Square. Meebane, uh, I think Meebane, he's had such an unfortunate month. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd hate yeah. to see him go because he's, he's improved this year compared to last year. He dropped off a little bit last year. but mm. um, yeah, And I think definitely things like defensive back, um, Michael Davis stepped up big this year. Um, Verrett's gone. I, I can only see Verrett coming back. It's on like a one-year deal, little money. Um, Perryman, I think, will go. But yeah, I think I think guys like Cantrell, Lamp, that didn't contribute so much this year, will come in and have a hopefully a better season. Um, and I think linebacker, offensive tackle, and and defensive tackle early is probably where we'll head. I think that's fair enough. And Lee. So, say, say, to, to, we'll do a hypothetical here. Say, Tyrell Williams does go out the door uh, and and leave. Do we do we see? I mean, it's it's a free agency uh, class that's not really stacked. Uh, you tend you tend to find over the last couple of years that as the years go by, the, you know, the, the quality is, is kind of less and less because all the uh, the good players seem to be re-signed by the teams that they're currently on. But say Tyrell Williams does leave, do we, do we see Los Angeles Chargers making a move at wide receiver in the free agency or in the draft? Definitely not in free agency. We've been burnt far too many times in that market for wide receivers. Uh, you know, Jacoby Jones, um, who else? Uh, you know, we just, um, Eddie Royal, people like that. We've just been we've just been stung too many times by dipping into that market. I think we've just got to develop our own. Um, as Josh said, you know, you've got Dylan Cantrell, who drafted last year in the sixth round. He could come in, he could do a job. The coaching staff really like him. We've got Tavis Scott, um, who played with Mike Williams mm-hmm. at Clemson, and I think he's their receiving uh, or catches leader in the school history. And obviously, Clemson have had a lot of big name wide receivers. Um, you know, uh, Mike Williams, Sammy Watkins, New Hopkins, Martavis Bryant at a stretch. You know, they've, that's just in recent times as well. You know, and uh, you know, Artavis Scott holds that record. And we've we've kind of lost him to injury just before this season. He looked like he could have made made the team. Obviously, we've got Jamie Davis, who was active for a lot of games this season. So we've got quite a few sort of irons in the fire, um, sort of developing in the in the in the reserves and in the practice squad. Mm. And um, you know, so you could I'd, I'd much rather sort of develop one of those guys and promote one of those guys into Tyrell's spot. Mm. But for me, I mean, I'd rather keep Tyrell. I know he's going to command quite a lot, especially in the the free agent class that is really so poor, as you say. Yeah. Um, but I'd rather cut Ty- uh, Travis Benjamin. Um, and keep Tyrell and maybe promote one of the one or two of these other guys that I've just mentioned. Mm. Would you take Dontrell Inman back? No, I'd, ra- I'd rather <laughs> I'd rather just roll with. I mean, Dontrell Inman wasn't bad. I didn't, I didn't ever hate Dontrell Inman to be fair. Um, I would just much rather develop someone like Artavis Scott or Dylan Cantrell or you know, give Jeremy Davis a, a dip in the water as well and see how he develops it. Like, keep him on a short leash kind of thing and see how what he does. But no, um, no, I'd, I'd much rather just keep Tyrell and, and maybe promote Dylan Cantrell after with Scott. Fair enough. And we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Philip Rivers on an LA Chargers segment of the podcast. Obviously, yeah, a couple of question marks with with Philip Rivers. You know, first off, how many how many more years have we got left in him? 
Um, you know, and what's kind of what's the replacement strategy? Lee, I'll, I'll start with you first. But this is a guy that's kind of had a bit of a resurgence this year. You know, 300. Uh, oh, someone's car just went past. Uh, 347 completions on uh, 508 uh, attempts. That's um, his best completion percentage since 2013. But he's he's actually had a low in attempts, uh, the, the most, the, the least amount of attempts since 2008. Um, but still managed to amass 4,308 yards, 32 touchdowns. Uh, and 12 interceptions. What, what, what's, what's the next couple of years look like for uh, Philip Rivers? So I think he's, he's said publicly um, quite a few times that he wants to play in the new stadium, which would obviously take him to the 2020 season. He's under contract next season for 2019, and obviously to, for that to come to fruition, he'd have to be extended for a year or two, which I quite like, um, because you know the next draft class of this year isn't too hot in the quarterback uh, you know, class. And I'm not. I'm certainly not a fan of it. So hopefully we'll just skip over that, and we'll we'll sort of maybe draft one in the next year when it's possibly quite good with the likes of Trevor Lawrence, Jake from to Tagovailoa, etc. And obviously there's going to be more coming on as well. Um, so hopefully we'll we'll get someone from that class and then develop him behind Philip for maybe a year or two, which obviously we've we've seen good success with other quarterbacks. But just going on to the the point that you made about his his attempts and being a low for you know a decade, uh, I think that's kind of a numerical representation of the offence becoming more geared towards Melvin Gordon and more towards running. Mm. And I think we'll, we'll sort of move away from Philip and try and maintain him maybe for a couple of years. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll move towards Gordon, yeah. being a run-first defence-first team, and then, uh, you know, bring in the new era in a couple of, of years, maybe three years' time yeah. after drafting the guy in a year or two. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it's a, it's a common theme, isn't it? You see it across the NFL, New England Patriots with Tom Brady getting a bit more run heavy. You've got Drew Brees over there in New Orleans, who last year, you know, 2017 season, they were a lot. Were, I think it was, a, I think it was a low for in terms of pass attempts. So you know, it, it goes without saying, as uh, you know, quarterback years get on and get on to that mid 30s and. Yeah, you, you don't want the, the, the quarterback to throw as much. And when you've got a, a, a guy in the backfield there like Melvin Gordon, you've got Austin Eckler and obviously Justin Jackson uh, as well. You can, you can, you you want to be more balanced as well. You don't want to always rely on, on Philip Rivers because at some point, you know, you've got you've got to hand it over to, to someone else. But if, if you've got a strong run game there and a decent defense, then the disruption to the team as a whole shouldn't shouldn't be shouldn't be too bad. But uh, Josh, we come to you just before we, we finish out. If you if you have one one word going into 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 next year. Or even into this uh, this off season, what what would you what would the word be for the Los Angeles Chargers and all the fans? Say climbed again, but obviously I'd, that would be that be too obvious. Um, I'd say going into next season, I think the term would be optimistic. Um, would you? What about what about yeah, expectant? In terms of expectancy, um, uh, sorry, do you mean as in? The, yeah, the words. Well, you know, going going into the season, would you? Would, what would you expect uh, in terms of a, a kind of final result? Would you expect to get to the championship game? Uh, would that be the kind of bar to be a pass fail, or would you? Yeah, would you set the, the think, sides a bit lower? I think based off the season we've had, I think it has to be some sort of anything beyond the the divisional round. Uh, I think we've got the capability to make the Super Bowl. Like what I was saying before uh, about the primed thing, I think. We've now got enough pieces where we can definitely make a run for the Super Bowl. Um, there's a few other teams, such as the Chiefs, the, obviously the Patriots. I think the Colts are very, looking very strong as well with their 100 million in cap space. <laughs> mm. That's going to be interesting for next year. But I think we've got enough weapons as it is. And I think with the influx of new talent uh, and a couple of key re-signings and signings here and there, I think expectation-wise, definitely championship game. But I do think we can make the Super Bowl. 
Mm. Whether we win or not, it's a different question. But mm. um, I do think we can we can get there. I say certainly from from my perspective, I was all in on, on the charges this year because I thought there was a good price. I don't think you're going to get that next season. But Lee, what would uh, what would your kind of barometer be for pass uh, for success and failure next season? Yeah, like you guys have just said, you kind of um, just want to become that sort of perennial playoff team, don't you? And sort of cement yourself, maybe you know, win a division title um, as we possibly could have this year. And then yeah, you're looking to make a deep run every year and. And make that the sort of the expectation year in year out. And like we said, we've got we've got a young team, uh, young team and talented team as well. And you know, with that combination, hopefully you're looking to, you know, maybe you know get the us that ring, and we can all hope for that. Or if not, that we primed for the for the next for the next era, and, and you know, not too much drop off after that. Yeah. And so yeah, no, very optimistic. If you want to narrow it down to one word, optimistic would be the word. Yeah, and I say the, the opportunities there. Obviously, with uh, Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh and Tom Brady uh, there in New England, of course, the, the opportunities there—they've got to come down at some point. So, yeah, Chargers. Like I say, I think to, if we had one word to, to describe this this segment of the podcast, I suppose it would be primed, wouldn't it, to, for, for Chargers fans? If it would be the takeaway. That's going to do it for the Chargers segment of the team season reviews. Thank you to Josh. Thank you to Lee, as always, uh, and uh, we wish you all the best. Cheers, yeah. thank you. Okay, it's time to spend about 15 minutes now on the Denver Broncos. Funny little season for them. And we've got two Broncos fans along with us to break it all down. Sam Lane, or better known as at FF Stompy, makes his second appearance on the podcast. Sam, welcome you in. How are you doing, my buddy? Good, how are you, Tim? Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Quite a lot has happened to you since uh, since we last spoke. Uh, t- tell us quickly about your exploits in the uh, Scott Fishbowl. Sure. Um, so it's been a whirlwind of a season. <laughs> uh like you said, I won the Scott Fish Bowl, which was tournament of 900 players, I believe. Yeah. Um, so that was awesome. Kind of bumped me up, I suppose, in the um, fantasy football community a little bit. Mm. Got uh, my name's known now. Which yeah. Is kind of crazy. Yeah, that's what, um, that's what it's about. Yeah, it was. It was definitely, like I said, a whirlwind. The I the final game was. Or the yeah the championship was pretty crazy because I thought I had won off of a, a catch by Deshaun Hamilton, but forgot the scoring was 0.5 PPR and not one PPR. So then I lost. But then there was a stat correction about an hour after the game ended, putting me up by like 0.3 points or something like that. Crazy, crazy, crazy yeah. stuff. And to, to completing the trifecta is uh, Chris from a Five Yard Rush, our good old friends uh, from from my hometown. If you like, Chris, welcome you in as well. Any uh, any crazy fantasy seasons for you? Um, no, no, I'm pretty much complete opposite. To, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I was in twenty twenty three leagues and only won one, so not a great strike rate this year. <laughs> The strike, rate, the strike rate for probably Alfred Blue's first downs, I suppose, over the season. But uh, we, that's, that, that's maybe for the Houston Texans pod. Um, yeah, we're here to talk Denver Broncos. Um, yeah, good. Uh, should be a good one this one. Obviously, a 6-10 record last season, third in the AFC West. Uh, coming into the season was all about Case Keenum, wasn't it? Um, coming over from Minnesota, the big uh, free agency signing. Is it, is it fair to say, Sam, that the, he, the, he underwhelmed, or you know, he had, he had more completions than uh, than he did over in Minnesota, but had more interceptions, less touchdowns, his percentage was was down. Any reason? Any reason why Case Keenum struggled uh, for this year? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
maybe that's just who he is. Maybe last season, the 2017 season, was more of a blip than anything, and that's what it seems to look like. Now, he wasn't as bad as he was with Jeff Fisher, um, but unfortunately he was asked to throw a ton, which I think for a Case Keenum-led offense isn't good. I think you need to rely on him to not throw a ton, to um, not give up turnovers, and run the ball a lot. And it just seems like they went away from the run a lot despite having two rookie running backs, including a phenomenal season by Philip Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where they need to go forward is they need to start emphasizing the run and defense and take the ball out of Case Keenum's hands as much as possible. Mm. Yeah, yeah, certainly makes sense. And uh, Chris... <sighs> I know Case Keenum under Jeff Fisher. Anyone under Jeff Fisher is not going to be uh, not going to be a great quarterback. But um, yeah, I mean, last four games going in, going into the last four games of the season, playoffs were still in sight. Um, obviously, the loss of Emmanuel Sanders maybe had a lot to do with that as well. But any, anything from you for, from Case Keenum? Any notes going into into next season? Because I'm assuming that he's going to stay there because you know John Elway's record at drafting quarterbacks or even bringing any in is not great. No, I mean, there's a chance maybe we go after Drew Lock because he is a John Elway sort of quarterback in, in, in his cannon arm and, and the way he moves in the pocket and stuff. But, yeah, the last four games were really disappointing. Three of them were definitely winnable. I mean, the 49ers, Browns and Raiders, the, you, you go to those either home or away and you think you're going to come away with three wins, especially after beating the Chargers, Steelers and Bengals. And then to, to sort of throw it away unnecessarily was a bit of a shame. Yeah. And uh, Sam, for you, was it no, no, uh, no surprises in Vance Joseph going? Not at all. I mean, I think if they had kept up their winning streak at the end of the season, and the crazy thing about that is that they beat the Steelers, the Chargers at one point. Um, they had won three in a row, and I can't remember the third one. But they, they beat good opponents, and then all of a sudden they go up against the 49ers and the Raiders and the Browns. And, and I'll give some credit to the Browns because the Browns actually looked decent towards the end of the season, but still winnable. And they just kind of crapped the bed mm. and lost to two of the top three picks in um, the 49ers and the Raiders. And, and I think that just kind of put the nail in the coffin for fans, Joseph. And, and I think it speaks a lot to the leadership they had to losing to them. Um, and, yeah, not surprised at all that that entire uh, staff has gone. Mm. Absolutely, and uh, talk, talking of uh, gone as well, Demarius Thomas was traded uh, throughout the season, so we saw you know, the, the emergence of Cortland Sutton, who made some very nice catches, a second-round pick of SMU, and Deshaun Hamilton as well. Uh, is he, is he Chris, a guy that's going to come to the fore next year, a fourth-round pick out of uh, PSU? Yeah, I think so. If you, if you look at Hamilton and Sutton as a sort of comparable to Sanders and, and uh, Thomas, then I think sitting behind them for a year was a good idea and they're, they're very much similar players. So I think if you protect Keenum or whoever's at quarterback a bit more with investing in the O-line and give him a chance to, to throw not under pressure, then you know Hamilton's a pretty good route runner and, and Sutton, like you said, can make some good catches. So I think, I think they will be good NFL wide receivers. They just they need a bit of help protecting the quarterback to make sure they get the ball safely. Yeah, and just to touch on Sanders, obviously he he left uh, partway through the season due to injury, but he's now the, kind of the wrong side of thirty, if you like. But um, do we do we see him slowing down next season, or yeah, how do you how do you rate his season, Sam? Um, well, he looked great first half of the season. Second half, he kind of fell off, yeah. tore an Achilles, which 
is almost a death sentence after the age of 30. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely not trying to touch anybody who tears an Achilles ever, but especially past 30. So I think, and, and the same thing happened to Demarius Thomas, uh, the irony of that. So I, I just don't, he, he won't be back until at the very least the middle of next season, if he plays at all. And they just, I, I think they'll cut him honestly, because I think his contract, he might be owed minimal dead cap next season if he's cut. So I think this is going to be a young wide receiving core. Tim Patrick might be the quote unquote veteran of that wide receiving core. Mm. Um, also, I, I, uh, I, just to touch on Sutton, I kind of foresaw um, him struggling a bit. He definitely had some flashes, but there was definitely some struggles. Yeah. And his hands coming out of college were not great. And he definitely needed to learn how to not clap at the ball and actually receive the ball well. And hopefully this offseason, working with Keenum, will help him with that. And he can become that Demarius Thomas type. And that's what he really is. is he's an athletic freak who can do the jump balls and deep passes. And John Hamilton's kind of that, um, like, like uh, Chris said, that wide type receiver, that Emmanuel Sanders type receiver that's a good route runner. Um, he could play a lot in the slot, um, and I'm I'm looking forward to that as well. Yeah, considering uh, considering then obviously Case Keenum there uh, li- uh, likely could look at his contract as well likely to be at least back uh, in Denver whether or not he's uh, behind maybe a rookie we we shall see but um, it's gonna it's gonna rely on on the running game and you know, one of the breakout stars of 20, 2018 was Philip Lindsay wasn't it? Um, you know, Royce Freeman was the guy the third round pick out of Oregon was expected to to at least have the bulk of the carries I, I suppose and uh, you know all this talk pre-season Devontae Booker was just ludicrous to be quite honest and it turned out that way thankfully uh, for both fantasy and NFL purposes but Chris we'll come to you Philip Lindsay did we where, do, uh, where did he come from? Uh, nowhere is where he came from nobody <laughs> nobody had anything on him at all I mean I going on fantasy quickly I don't know anybody really who drafted him no. And if you did, you were in a super deep league that you just dropped him because you needed to fill your roster. Or you time travelled. Um, yeah. Um, and that's not possible quite yet. So <laughs> but, uh, the way he emerged was unreal. And just what he did with not so much running, like Sam said, they passed it a bit too much for a Denver team. And he's just the amount of breakaway plays he got was cons- considerably. I think more than if you look at him stature-wise, he doesn't look like that type of running back. So I think he, I don't want to say overperformed because he was really good, but nobody saw it coming. No, no, absolutely. It's a uh, coming week, week one, and uh, I'm just trying to get his stats up now. It's very bad of me to not be ready for that. But yeah, uh, Philip Lindsay, like I say, you would, not, there's not isn't a, gri- a guy that you would have drafted, but he's uh, you know Roy, Royce Freeman had, has had his struggles uh, this year. Um, Sam, how do you how do you see the, the the backfield shaping out next season? Is it going to be much of the, the same what we saw this season, or maybe just does Royce Freeman kind of is now he knows the ropes? Does he maybe get a bit more of a stranglehold or a bit more of a timeshare, or do we expect Philip Lindsay to to continue uh, what he did last season? Obviously, coming back off off, off an injury uh, the back end of this season. Yeah, so we'll see what Lindsay looks like coming off of a wrist injury. Um, you could see it being somewhat like David Johnson. Mm. Um, but I, I kind of liken it to the saints with Kamara and Mark Ingram. Now 
obviously you're never going to match Kamara's efficiency. I mean, I Kamara is one of the top five running backs in the league for me. But I could see kind of the split going that way. Uh, Lindsey showed a little bit in the passing game, so I could definitely see him getting 10 to 15 touches of um, both running and receiving. And then you could definitely see Royce Freeman getting uh, 10 to 15 running the ball. Um, they definitely need to work on well not work on but they need to work through the running game first and the defense and i'm hoping that's what vic fangio does this season is emphasizes the run um emphasizes defense takes the ball and makes keenum throw it less than 30 times a game but yeah i I definitely think that's where the split goes um but like i said we'll see what Lindsay looks like coming off of that uh Injury. Yeah. Yeah. Vic Fangio obviously coming over from the defensive side there over in Chicago. Um, in, in a league where most of the, all the other vacancies have been all offensive, uh, you know, appointments, if you like, Vic Fangio obviously a defensive guy. So you, you'd think with that defense there, and we'll touch on them on them shortly, but yeah, you, you think Denver going into next season, the identity is going to be de- defense uh, and slash run type. Uh, type of approach. Philip Lindsay there, 12th uh, running back in for fantasy purposes there in standard scoring, uh, tw- over 1,200, was it 1,250 yards and 10 total touchdowns as well, one through the air, nine on the ground. Very good uh, first season for him. Do we, are we, Chris, are we worried that maybe he hits a bit of a wall, a rookie wall that they talk about? I don't know. I think, like Sam says, if they work on on the rushing game in the off-season, then maybe not. I mean, you think he... 1,200 yards is quite a lot, but then the way the game goes today, if he gets more receptions and stuff, he could see that pushing up towards 350. So then if he loses a few on the yard, on the ground, sorry, but gets some through the air, I think he, I think he's a pretty stable base level, mm-hmm. level for him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. with Royce Freeman working in as well, I, I don't think he's going to fall off a cliff. That should be, say, it depends on the, the, the relationship there and the tandem they kind of work out, but I'm sure uh, Vic Fangio and the guys there will get it sorted. So, but let, let's talk about defence then for a second. Uh, Denver defence, well, top five, uh, in the top five for the, one of the most penalised defences of 2018. Uh, of course, Bradley Chubb was the uh, splash in the draft there in the first round. 12 sacks on the year. Sam, how how, how did you rate the Denver defence this season and, and Bradley Chubb's um, first season? Um, I think they were good but they didn't realize their full potential and i think vic fangio has said the right things this offseason von miller started off the year great and then he kind of tailed off and i think that has a lot to do with their time of possession they were on the field a lot this season just because they were asking case to throw it too much and giving up the ball too much Mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of another another uh i guess tick for running the ball is that you're going to keep the defense off the field all the time. But it, but if we can compare that defense to the Chicago Bears defense, you have a guy like Von Miller who will take that Khalil Mack role, hopefully. You have a better um, secondary pass rusher in Bradley Chubb, who I don't know if he broke the rookie record, but he was nearing yeah. it, and he had a phenomenal season. Mm-hmm. And if there weren't some very good – uh, rookie defenders, he might be looking at rookie defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The issue is right now is their secondary. Um, I think a lot of us thought that Bradley Roby was going to step into that Aqib Talib and not necessarily be Aqib Talib, but at least perform how he was performing before as the third cornerback when Talib and Harris are there. Unfortunately, it looks like Roby on the outside 
as a starter was just, took a step back as a football player this season, and he looked awful at times. Yeah. And I believe he gave up the second most air yards on the season. So they need a, they need another cornerback, um, and they they probably need. Well, I mean, I guess one of the safeties took a step forward. I think that's their biggest issues. They just need another cornerback. If they can get another cornerback, they might return to that no-fly zone type defense that they had before in the Super Bowl times. Yeah, I say we'll come on to off-season kind of focus very very shortly. But Chris, before we do that, if you if you had to sum up the Denver Broncos season in 2018 in one word, what word would you go? Would you go for disappointing? Hmm. All right. Yeah, so, I, I yeah. think. Especially winning the first two games, everybody went in with trepidation and then they won the first two games and you're thinking, actually, hang on, something could happen here. And then sort of flat out in the second, third, and then you win the three games against three teams, which were difficult, and then to lose the last four was disappointing. So there's my word. Yeah, this point is not a bad one. I, I, my one we're here, but I've got circled misfire because, like I say, them last four games, you know, you're ready, you, you're primed almost to to kind of, you know, have a postseason run, not saying that we're going to get far, but kind of, you know, kind of went to shoot the gun and then just kind of didn't quite happen. But Sam, any any particular word strike out for you for, for Denver's 2018 season? No, that was the exact word I was looking at was I, I had some pretty high hopes and it probably was a little biased when Case Keenum came in. I thought if he had performed like he did in Minnesota, they absolutely would have made the playoffs because that defense, while it's not as good as the Super Bowl, the two Super Bowls, still very good. Um, so if Case had been the same as he was with Minnesota, I think he was surrounded by overall better talent. Now, I'm not saying that Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders were as good as Diggs and Thielen, but as a general rule, I thought the talent around Case Keenum was better in Denver than it was in Minnesota. It just didn't come out like that. Sure, and obviously this is something that John Airway and the guys, Vic Fangio and all the rest of them will look to address in the offseason. Sam, you said they're about a cornerback, but Chris, is there any other areas that you, you think that, that Denver will look to, either in free agency or be a, a not very great uh, free agency class this season uh, to maybe pluck from that pool? Uh, but anything in particular in the draft that you think they'll focus on? So, Sam already mentioned cornerback. I think O-line is a big thing. I think they need to improve the O-line. There's possibly a couple of guys leaving in free agency and then safety I think if we can go and get a decent safety to, yeah. to, to back up the cornerbacks I think if Deontay Thompson's still there at 10 he, he could be a great shout he's very athletic and would be a great addition yeah and of course Sam this is this is a division where you know the Chargers um, you know showed pretty much what they what they're all about this season in Kansas City uh, one of the hottest teams in the NFL in 2018. This is this is a division that Denver, you know, they need to kind of hit the ground running next season and you know start off similarly like they did last season, winning the first couple of games. But they need to, you know, th those other two there. It's going to be hard to get in the playoffs if they're not going to kind of pull their weight. Right. Um, so I, I think I, I, I guess I don't really I don't know really what to think about the offense next season. Um, we have this new guy coming in, uh, and I just. Lost his name, Donatel. Right, well, I'll look it up later. But um, <laughs> new offensive coordinator, entire new coaching staff. 
Um, and some of the things I like, like I think they need to build up the trenches a little bit. They need to look at the offensive line. They need to look at probably the defensive line and the interior of the defensive line. There's some good defensive tackles coming out. Uh, the Broncos are also losing probably Shaq Barrett, probably Shane Ray this offseason. So if they could get a defensive in there, and honestly, I think they would be okay if they got a couple guys that are startable day one on the defense and if they get a starting um, offensive lineman. Because the offensive line didn't actually look terrible last season. So if they get a starting offensive lineman, that'll help them with the run game. And then they have that pass rush plus the secondary help. I think they will hit the ground running, and they should compete for the um, division, even though there is Patrick Mahomes, my favorite player there. <laughs> is it six months ago, Sam, I very I very much remember you telling me all about Patrick Mahomes and uh, the hype going into the season. So uh, I'm glad for you that obviously it come to it come to fruition. But was it Rich Gangarello you were looking for for offensive coordinator? Yes, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I've got my, my, Mike Munchak as well as the offensive line coach. Yeah, that yeah. that's actually I think probably the biggest hire they've had this offseason yeah. was yeah. if you're going to emphasize the run game, you definitely need help on the offensive line. Yeah. And he has kind of cemented himself as the best offensive line coach in the game mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, so before we before we sign off then guys, Chris we'll come to you first. So going into twenty nineteen season, then what's what's uh, again we'll go with the one word answer. What's your what's your one word for Denver Broncos fans in 2019-2020? Um, God, I want to say optimistic. That's not the word I'm looking for, but I think that would be the word. I'll think of what I'm actually thinking of, and then I'll let you know. But I would say optimistic. <laughs> Sam, uh, is, is optimism or pessimism for you going into into this season? Obviously, you just said there about uh, your your kind of, I suppose, optimism. Is there any particular? Words or all the Denver Bronco fans out there listening, you know, any any particular words that you want to give them in going into the season? What they should be, how they should be thinking mentality wise. Patience. Patience. Yeah, it's not um, bad. Yeah, it's just with what happened this season. I think there are. I mean, there they need several pieces to go to that they need to get in the off season, and then they need everything to go right. I just, just don't think Case Keenum is the guy. He's a bridge quarterback. So if they can get somebody like Drew Locke in the second or third round or even wait until 2020 to get one of those quarterbacks, then I'd feel a lot better. Um, So I'm going to say patience because even if they don't do great – we there's needs to be some semblance of rebuilding in yeah. Denver. Yeah, yeah, plenty of youth youth there on on that team on both on both sides of the ball. Right, but that's gonna that's gonna probably wrap us up. Then nice twenty minutes there on the Denver Broncos. Really good chat with the guys there, uh, Sam and, and Chris. Thank you all, all so much for coming on. If you want to get in touch with any of the guys, it's at FF Sompeep for Sam and at Five Yard Rush there for Chris. Gents, Sam, Chris, thank you so much for coming on talking Denver Broncos. Yeah, thanks, Tim. Thanks for having me. Last up in the AFC West, of course, someone that always has to finish last. And unfortunately for the Oakland Raiders, it was them this year, 4-12 and record. Bit of a, a circus, I, I suppose, going into the season. Obviously, new head coach in John Gruden getting that mammoth 10-year uh, deal, £100 million deal. And I'm interested to get the thoughts of Dave Wilson and Tony Law on that contract. Uh, welcome you both into the podcast. Thank you both for joining us. Uh, Dave, we'll start with you. You're, uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with Dave Wilson, it's at linebacker 41 uh, apparently plays linebacker for the University of Life, which I found thought was quite interesting. I'm, are they are they are they undefeated, Dave? 
Uh, they've certainly defeated me on occasion, but um, I've had my victories as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I say that. I used to play for the um, the London Mets team, which was the London Metropolitan Police uh, team back in the day. So that was uh, that was my position there. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, and Tony, obviously, Tony is, is uh, can be found on Twitter at TonyLaw12 as well. Tony, welcome in to the podcast. We'll start with you first, actually. Um, yeah, coming into the season, obviously, one of the big storylines was John Gruden, 10 years, $100 million deal. Um, try and sum up in one word how you felt about that deal. Happy. There you go. Happy. No, not bad. Um, really happy. Uh, and Dave, uh, from your perspective, happy as well? Uh, mixed, I would say. Um, I would say I really like John Gruden. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to happy to have him back as coach. Very happy. Yep. But the ten-year deal kind of smacked of um, a lack of objectivity for Mark Davis mm. around the deal. Mm. Um, so he's got his plus points and his bad points. But I kind of felt is is Davis so in love with Gruden that that he's lost his objectivity around around uh, the franchise. Mm. And uh, Tony, were you worried? Obviously, former Tampa Bay coach, coach for a number of years, uh, spent a bit of time out of the game. Obviously, in the, in the broadcasting booth. Uh, were you worried that any any or any hint of you know a bit, bit of ring rust or you may may have a bit out of touch from the NFL in terms of you know because the the game's changed a hell of a lot since he was a Tampa Bay coach um, you know back in you know the late two thousands uh, were you any any risk there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's, there was definitely going to be a little a touch of ring rust, but I think anyone with the work ethic that that, that John Gruden's got, I, I don't think. The game passed him by at all. I, I think that was um, there was nothing to be made of that really. Um, you know, he's, he's he's got his finger on on the pulse of the game. I think, um, and th- th- there was always going to be a bit of rust from being on the sideline. Um, hopefully, he's shaking that loose this year, and uh, we can move forward. Yeah, and Dave, obviously, a lot of decisions John Gruden took uh, as first year of head coach. Uh, we'll start with the the acquisitions first. Were you surprised at you know, you know looking at Jordy Nelson, Doug Martin, and, and some other players. You know the age of those those guys. Were you surprised at who he brought in, or did is it a case of they needed that that veteran presence in the locker room? Um, a little bit yes and no. I think Gruden has a very specific type of player, mm. and he likes uh, his Gruden grinders, as we call them. So you got a player like Jordy Nelson, who's just got a tremendous work ethic. You know, maybe he wouldn't be as productive as Michael Crabtree, but he sends such a better message in the locker room and in training camp to the younger players that Gruden's going to bring in. So a little bit surprised, maybe, probably with Doug Marty more than Jordan Nelson, um, but still really happy with it. Yeah, and uh, Tony, we'll we, we talk about the clear-out. I mean, I haven't seen this big a clear-out since Amazon on Black Friday, to be quite honest, but um, <coughs> were you surprised at who he got rid of or were you happy with what was, was given back in returns? So obviously, you know, a couple of numerous uh, first-round picks in the 2019 draft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Surprised, a little bit, a little bit surprised. Um, I was happy with the majority of them. Um, I think the, the the one that I wasn't really happy with, but I actually understand, um, is is the Khalil Mack. I don't think there's there's anyone in the nation that's happy with with losing Khalil Mack. But equally, um, you know, if, if you look at the sort of money that we had to give him, mm. um, it, it was obvious that it was going to be a massive contract. And when you have a, a quarterback. Uh, that's already being paid elite money like we have, um, regardless of whether he's worth that money or not. Possibly a different conversation. Um, uh, but you, I think you, you can't have that. And you look at people like like the Bears who have, who have taken Mac on. They've got to um, 
they've got to redo Trubisky in a couple of years. They're going to struggle to redo Trubisky on a on a proper um, a top tier quarterback contract. Mm. Uh, you look at the Rams exactly the same with Aaron Donald and um, and Goff. Mm. Um, you know when contract time comes around for Goff. I think they're going to struggle there as well. Um, possibly a little less, given how lost he looked on, on Super Bowl weekend. Mm. Um, it certainly looks as though the, the game was bigger than... Uh, it was too big for him, basically, the Super Bowl. So that may well weigh in when it, when it comes contract time. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it started really with with um, the, the, the car contract from, from last year, which was... Uh, too much in my opinion yeah, yeah I agree uh, for, yeah, yeah for someone that's never played a down of postseason football yeah exactly, exactly what yeah. I said yeah I don't know how you can make him the highest paid quarterback in the league when he's not played past 16 weeks uh, you know not his fault because obviously he was going to he was on <coughs> on track to uh, until Indianapolis in 2016 yeah. um, but equally uh, he, he, he hasn't played that, that down of postseason football yet so we don't really know what's going to happen um but other than that, other than the Mac one, I think everyone, you know, I think King showed his colours like the week after he he left by uh, trotting past Raiders HQ. Mm. Um, uh, Irving, um, Irving, you could see it written on his face in London last year. We actually um, we, we we got to to meet them um, in London last year, and you could just see it written on his face. He didn't want to be there. Mm. Yeah, he was mad. Um, you look at except for the, yeah. some of the games. Especially the game against Miami, late in the game, the Raiders really needed to play from their defence, and he was literally walking through the pass Literally, yeah. Um, you absolutely, as you say, didn't want to be there. Yeah, absolutely. It was written all over his face. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm more than happy with that. Um, it's a shame actually because Irving had that opportunity to really step up and be that that guy that, that the defence looked to. He he could have filled the space that Mac left um, and that's kind of what we were expecting and in, instead he just decided to sulk about the fact that Mac had gone um, and ultimately paid the price for it and then obviously there's Crabtree who went on to great things or, or good-ish things in, in Baltimore um, but it was too much of a, a, a locker room case yeah. to, for us to keep really yeah. um, and I, so I wasn't really surprised by any of them to be honest mm. So, um, and I was okay with them apart from apart from the Mac one, but I understand that you know Mac was business. Yeah, I, I suppose it didn't help that the you know, comments that him saying obviously he needed pass rush, and obviously the media take that and run, and run with it and make a, a mountain, mountain out of a, uh, a molehill. But Dave, from from your perspective, then were, were you expecting this kind of season from the Raiders? Uh, you know, John Green coming in first season. Doing, doing the wheeling in that he needed to, needed to get the people in that he wanted and get the people out that he didn't want. Um, was, a, was a 4 and 12 kind of the, the vicinity in what you were expecting? Um, I expected a little bit less of a changeover, um, if I'm honest. Um, I, I don't think it was a great draft. Um, and hopefully Mike Mayer will, will put that right mm. and have some influence on Gruden. It was clearly John Gruden's draft and not Reggie's. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I um, I know he wants his own players in. Um, if I'm honest, I was I was kind of happy to see the back of Amari Cooper with his uh, contract extension coming up. Um, he was always going to be going for a 16 to 18 million dollar contract, um, and I don't say he's a bad wide receiver, but he's certainly not worth that money. Um, so save cutting him to get a first round pick for him. Um, I, I don't think there's any harm in saying both Dallas and the Raiders won on that one. He seems to be happy in Dallas for the moment. Mm. Um, so yeah, I was happy to see the back of Amari Cooper. 
Um, but a little surprised with the amount of turnover that there was. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The key to it to a, a team performing consistently, obviously, is all the. Uh, all the pieces that there at the same time and, and consistently being there. So yeah, you, you know, once you've got that upheaval, it's always going to be difficult to to get that rhythm going. That was shown obviously by yeah. just just the four wins. But you know, picked up two, two wins in the last four games again, one against Pittsburgh and Denver. You know, two teams that you know, I'd, I'd say are, Pittsburgh obviously above average, Denver probably in the middle of the pack. So some some kind of crumbs of optimism going into into twenty nineteen, uh, Tony. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I was there for the Colts game um, earlier in the season. Mm. Um, and right up until the end, it, it was 35-28. And it looked like a bad loss at 14 points. But really, it was, uh, it was a Doug Martin turnover on the final Raiders drive that sealed it. Mm. Um, and up until that, they were absolutely in the game and they led for most of it. So there is quite a lot of room for optimism. Yeah. Um, and especially as Derek Carr really picked up his game towards the end of the season, uh, which really showed he was getting to grip with John Gruden's, uh, John Gruden's system. Mm. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Dave, yeah, I mean, it's, probably, it's, it's a good time to talk about Derek Carr. Now you say a bit early on, obviously massive contracts. Uh, I think he's in, was he in the second year of that now. I think it was at five years, one hundred and twenty. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was also picked up during the season. Yeah, the relationship between John Gruden and Derek Carr, should we say, was a bit frosty at times. Do you feel that Derek Carr is the man going forward for the for the, for the Raiders uh, in in two aspects? You know, for, for John Gruden and and from a fan's perspective. Um, I think I think that question is still up in the air. Um, so I have a, a very good friend who has a good source within the Raiders organisation who says that the Raiders are likely to trade Derek Carr, either at or prior to the draft. Mm. Um, from my perspective, I think Carr has shown that he can be an excellent quarterback in 2016. Um, he made real progress last year and he had an absolutely nothing wide receiving core apart from Jared Cook. Yeah. Um, and he got sacked a record number of times. Yeah. So really, I, I think people have been really hard on Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, but the problem I had with Derek Carr was going back to his contract, which at the time was the highest played player in the league. Yeah. And as we said, he's never played playoff football, never thrown 4,000 yards in a season. Mm. Um, and that really, if he'd taken 20 million instead of 25, it might have made a difference to keeping Callum Mack. Mm. Um, but, but as a quarterback, I think personally, he deserves um, another chance with better protection and a better receiving crew and a second year in the system. Um, but I understand if people don't and they want someone like Kyler Murray. But Kyler Murray is probably the only person that I would look to to replace him in the current draft. And if not, it looks to be quite a healthy quarterback uh, class from next year. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, funny enough, I was for for our, our previous podcast, I was actually looking at Derek Carr's uh, contract, and yeah, there's no there's no guarantees from from 2020. No, um, so I thought that was actually quite interesting because um, I, I was looking at quarterback free agents and seeing who you know if whether or not the Raiders might be a, a left a left field ch- uh, choice for someone that they they may pick up. Uh, I assume that they, they you know unless they trade him that they'll keep Carr. But I I really like Carr. I've always thought to myself you know if he if he got out of Oakland like other other players have done, he'd probably look quite good you know in the, the Giants or something. I know they've not got a great line either, but I always think that. That season in 2016, where you know Connor Cook, unfortunately, I think was it Connor Cook. I was trying to think of the. Uh, yeah, it's yes, Connor Cook. Cook. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean that was that was in the depths of my brain cells somewhere. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it was a, it was a real shame because the, the, there was real momentum there in Oakland going into into that playoffs. So I think I even put a bet on them uh, to win the Super Bowl that year prior, prior to that him. Was, that was the only year he's had the same offensive coordinator consecutively. Mm, yeah. Now you've also got to look at what happened in 2017 as well when we um, we bought in. Uh, Marshall was it uh, was that 2017 2017 season either way we we switched um, actually blocking scheme up front um, to a more zone blocking scheme 
Um, it was when Marshawn came in. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, we, we switched to a zone blocking scheme, which is obviously what he had his success with in, in Seattle. Mm. Uh, but when you look at it, obviously with a zone blocking scheme, you need a, a smaller, more athletic line. Um, and Marshall had that in Seattle with the lightest line that was in the league. Um, however, we haven't got that in Oakland. In 2016, we were more of a power system, um, and, and that's where you you saw the um, you saw where we went in, in 2016 there. Um, but switching well, to that blocking scheme, yeah. we, we were a he- we're a heavy, heavy line. We don't have that athleticism up front to run that blocking scheme for yeah, Marshall. You're right on that, you know. In, in- in 2016, the Raiders had a top five offensive line, yep. and then going in 2017 and 18 with the same five guys, they had they had a sub-average line. But yep. It's the same five guys, yep. uh, and, and what it comes down to is scheme. Yep, absolutely. And and what did we do last year to try and rectify that? Did uh, we change this game back to blocking? No, we just uh, brought in the zone guy from Seattle. Uh, you, you look know. at, at Osamili, an All-Pro yep. at left, left guard in 2016, um, and Pro Football Focus had him uh, rated sub-average last year. Now, I know he had an injury, but what that says to me is he just doesn't fit the scheme. And good coaches don't change a scheme just because it's their scheme. They make the best of the players they've got by, by adjusting their scheme to those players. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, that's absolutely right. And uh, I suppose it's a good time to, to transition into thoughts of 2019. Obviously, a couple of first-round picks there that, you, that you've picked up and uh, the, the seventh best in terms of cap space as well, 69, you know, just short of 70-odd million. Where... Uh, I, I assume there's a there's a couple of gaping holes here, but uh, Dave, we'll, we'll start with you first. Where where are they going to go? Are they going to do much in free agency, or are they just going to let the, the draft do the talking? Um, I, I don't know how much there is to do in free agency. I mean, ideally, what you'd like to do is fill all your major holes in free agency. You can take the best player available. Mm. But this is where I think John Gruden is in a really unique position. If he just wants to take the best players available, he can do that. Because if he doesn't win, he doesn't win. Yeah. As long as he wins in Vegas in 2021-22, then Mark Davis is going to be happy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and Tony, um, moving on to you, obviously, you know, Vegas is not too far away now. And uh, I know the, the Oakland Raiders don't seem to be having much of a much of a much luck trying to find a home for 2019, um, which could be quite interesting. Uh, San Francisco not not doing them any favours. But uh, you know, looking forward to next season as a whole. Is it? Is it? Uh, I suppose it's a bit too extreme to say it's a write-off already. But do you think it's more about putting the foundations in place now through the draft and through the free agency for for that first year in Vegas? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's pretty much where we are. As nice as it would be to to leave a trophy in Oakland, um, and I think that we will end up playing uh, this season in Oakland um, at, at the Coliseum. I, I think that's that's. Very close to being a done deal, I believe. Um, but uh, it, it would be nice to leave Oakland with with that trophy, but I, I can't see it happening, if I'm honest. As, as far as being an absolute write-off, it really depends, I think, what happens draft night. Um, obviously, we've brought Mike Mayock in, who's probably the best guy possible to actually see us through these uh, all these draft picks for the next couple of years. Um and I think you know if if, if we draft well, um, I think we can get a good give a good account of ourselves, um, and and leave Oakland with our heads held high. Hopefully, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the the AFC West, Dave, is is, a, is going to be a tough one for for years to come. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes over there in Kansas City, and uh, the the Los Angeles Chargers being one of the more you know rounded teams in the NFL, despite when you know Philip Rivers decides to to, to hang them up. 
I, I suppose it's just waiting and biding your time to to make that kind of assault on on the division and then the rest of the AFC because at some point you know like everyone else says that the Patriots have got to come back down at some point. Yeah, I mean, so the Patriots have got to come back down at some point. I mean, uh, Bill Belichick went ten and six with Matt Castle, which despite all his Super Bowl wins, may <laughs> still be his greatest coaching achievement. <laughs> um, but but having said, yeah, you're right. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to cause us problems for years to come. So a part of his working out how to beat Patrick Mahomes is it a pass rush, is it better coverage, um, and drafting players accordingly because that's what we're going to have to do to beat Kansas City. Mm. Yeah. And before we before we sign off, gents, obviously Raiders coming over to Wembley again this season. Uh, I think it's what is it, the third time we were saying off air that they, they've come over. Obviously last year, you know, it was supposed to be the the first game in the Tottenham Stadium. I assume Tony that you'll be you'll be there supporting the the, the, the black and uh, black and silver in uh, in October. Yeah, I absolutely will. Um, and if if I may, it uh, seems quite a good time to to plug Silver and Black UK. Actually, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, by all means. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, so Silver and Black UK, are the uh, the UK's booster club for the Oakland Raiders. Um, we've got very very good ties with the organisation and the NFL. Um, in fact, in 2014, when the Raiders came across, uh, we actually resurrected or we, we sorry we recreated the the black hole in the end zone at, at Wembley Stadium. Mm. Um, and we filled it. You was there? Was you in the black I was hole? Yeah, with my wife. I was there. Were, were you in the black hole? Um, I was at one of the ends. I can't remember which one it was. Ah, right. Okay. We actually we actually managed to put 796 people in the end zone there in the black hole, um, which I believe to this day is still a record for a national series game in London. Yeah. It's, it's the it's the largest single single team um, fan section nice. um, in, in national series history. Um, so yeah, I mean we're we're currently about six hundred and seventy members on Facebook um, at, at Silver and Black UK fan group, um, and yeah we we are a very active boost club in the UK and we are planning events around that game weekend again, um, which will still to be discussed uh, to, to to be decided. Sorry, but one thing that we will be doing is on the on the Friday night we'll be having our our pregame party, which is our kind of our flagship event. Uh, which we had last year at Browns in Old Jewry in London, um, and we have 550 guests there, um, including uh, some very special VIP guests. Um, Fred Belitnikov is a, a, a long-term friend of Silver and Black UK and, and, and visits our events. Um, so yeah, get yourselves down, get get yourselves on, on Facebook and look up Silver and Black UK fan group, um, and uh, get yourself down to the pre-game party if nothing else, mm. and, just, and, and come and meet Fred Belitnikov. I just sent you a membership request. Perfect. <laughs> I will. I will approve it now. There you go. <laughs> That's how active we are. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. As I obviously uh, your, your thoughts, obviously, but gents, but on, on next season, maybe not the most uh, optimistic. But at least uh, I, I wish you uh, that you, you know, get a win, get a win there in, in Wembley, and uh, obviously get the black hole going again. But um, yeah, really appreciate you coming on, talking about the uh, the black and silver and the black hole. Um, and say good luck to you at Wembley and I'd say all the best with, with John Gruden over the next couple of years. Thanks for joining us. Great. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. So there you have it, AFC West and of course the AFC all done now. Don't forget to check out those others, the, the other podcasts there, AFC East, AFC North and AFC South. And our free agency podcast on Tuesday. We'll be back again on Monday, turning our attention to the NFC. So in the meantime... 
have a great weekend. Hope you I hope you enjoyed those podcasts. Please let us know of your thoughts at Full Ten Yards, whether they're good, bad, indifferent. To say it's uh, something a little bit different. I uh, hope it's been it's been fun recording. Hopefully you've had fun listening to it too. But I hope you all enjoy your weekend. We'll see you again on Monday. So in the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a baba for now. A baba. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com